She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. This is one of the things you talk about during retreat is that there's pretty strict prohibitions around sex and around relationships before and after. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's it's much, it's different, it's changed, it's no longer, the sex that I have, we have, (laughs) 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 we have. weren't brought together by ayahuasca but our relationship very much feels like fate brought us together we just met destiny yeah yeah, the, yeah. Destiny, I, I, go with destiny. I don't know what the difference between the two is like Someone kind of a, destiny's a little happier well hello beautiful people and welcome to a brand new episode of the far out podcast hot off the press I- Hey, we're so happy you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in and giving your time and energy to this podcast. We are excited to share what we have in the back with you today. Super excited. Ex- Super oh, excited. I, I was going to say happy. <laughs> and today, we bring Zach and Jess Poitra together on the podcast. They have a combined over 200 ayahuasca ceremonies. 2,000. That's what I meant. 2,000. Bunch of dietas, a lot of combo, just a lot of medicine. Yes, they are downright true medicine people and they are amazing. We're very excited because we brought them today to talk about relationships. And we go into a bunch of different places because in case you don't know, they are married and they have a child and they are running ceremonies and plant medicine work together. We ended up talking about sex, the energetical exchange of sex and all that. This was a great part of the conversation. We talked about the different paths of spirituality, the way that relationships are a spiritual energetical entity of its own. And we just have a good time talking about relationships and ayahuasca and what ayahuasca can do for relationships and how it's only just one piece of the work. And at the end, we talk a little bit about shared purging. Yes. Which is kind of an interesting concept. (laughs) So let's just get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Alistair. Hello, everyone. What's up? Good morning, beautiful listener. You look great. I love your outfit today. I have to say, great choice. We love you. Great choice. (laughs) Today, we have, if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while, you're going to recognize both the names. It's Zach Poitra and Jess Poitra. And today, we have the honor of having them both on the podcast. They are our ayahuasca shamans, combo teachers, just overall awesome friends, and we love them very much. And without further ado, Zach and Jess, welcome back to the Far Out Podcast. Hi. <laughs> we love this podcast. <laughs> it's great to have you back. And together, we're very excited. We realize we've never done an interview with like 
four people, like us two and then two other people. So that's going to be interesting. This is our first. Yep. We wanted to talk about ayahuasca and relationships today. And we thought we should bring you guys on for this because it's been really powerful for us in a lot of ways already. And I'm sure it's going to continue to be. And so I think we'd like to start with like, what's the story of your relationship? Because ayahuasca really brought you together in some ways. Every way. Every way. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is somewhat ironic because... Oh, and we, we did this. This is from previous experience. You want people, everyone out there who is going to ayahuasca retreats and notices that cute other person on the other side of the room or whatever, um, be very, very careful about what we call ayahuasca love because that can be quite uh, temporary and can go sideways. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that said, and we can get into that later, but do we want to, you want us to, Tell the story? Yeah, I'd like that. Well, Jess, why don't you do it? Well, I'll start. But I tell the story so often. I think, I think you should tell at least some of it. All right. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> I'll jump in. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well... You know, it was, it was interesting, my, my path to find ayahuasca in the first place. I, I told that story on another podcast, but I came to it through healing myself with nutrition and then sitting in on a shamanism panel at a, uh, at a conference where my whole body, when she said ayahuasca, basically like lit up and said, yes, mm. you have to do that. And it was so interesting because I wasn't necessarily actively looking for it after that, but it just came. Mm. A friend of mine said, I had a friend that went down to the jungle, sat with these amazing people, and she said, we have to go here. And so I ended up going with a friend, and well, well three friends, um, and uh, met, met Zach. And it was really, <laughs> it was really interesting because we didn't, sort of notice each other that much yeah. off the bat. Mm. Like it wasn't it like, wasn't oh, that's, that's the shaman. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, because Zach was the shaman. Yeah. Okay, got it. And, and they came to, to pick us up from, from where we were to take us like into the woods where the, where the uh, retreat was going to be. And he had, you know, three students with him. And I just noticed he was a shaman and he happened to be wearing a Deva Pramal t-shirt, mm. which my dad was really into listening to Deva Pramal. <laughs> and I remember at the time before I did ayahuasca, I hated it when he listened to David Pramal because it gave me a headache. <laughs> it doesn't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but when he would listen to it, it would just, I would just be like, turn it off. It's giving me a headache. But I saw that Zach was wearing this t-shirt and I automatically felt like washed with I'm safe. He's wearing a David Pramal. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I'd say like over the next couple of days, because it wasn't even after the first ceremony, it was after the second or third, we started to kind of hang out. Hang out. Yeah. And I don't know why, because I wasn't looking for anybody, mm -hmm. but I, we were just kind of drawn to hang out together. Yeah. And we talked a lot. Well, and I was actually with someone else, had just started a relationship, which is unfortunate timing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, just to be, I think I mentioned this to you before, is there was one day when you wore cut off jeans. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> that was I love at first that. sight. I didn't yeah. notice that before. <laughs> okay, this changes things a little bit. But, you know, he and, says I tickled his upper chakra. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, I had a tendency to really keep and still do uh, keep professionalism about what you know the optics of sex and all that sort of thing. It's not to say I haven't been tempted, and not to say like like I mentioned early on in the podcast that I've definitely had relationships with people who have come through retreat with with us, and uh, they didn't work out. Obviously, mm. this one worked this out <laughs> wonderfully. Um, so at that point in time, had learned enough to yeah definitely keep a professional distance and be careful about getting involved and i was involved with somebody else and so that also created some distance but ayahuasca had other plans other plans because during what was it the third ceremony or i think something? it was the third yeah. one you popped into my visions um and it's in it's in in an ineffable way mm. that was like, oh, this is, okay. It's, it wasn't like, I didn't see her like uh, as the mother of my child, which she is now, or, or you know, didn't have these visions of, prophetic visions of anything. It was just this really ineffable, oh, we're working together now. And I mm. can't articulate how that is happening, but it's <clears throat> happening. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was Pretty interesting. Okay, okay, so I'll, I see. Yeah. I, I contributed to that. <laughs> oh, I had also the, the first night was totally incredible for me, and but we I didn't really connect, you know, specifically with Zach on that night. It was mm. really about the redwoods and ayahuasca, and just like, oh my god, this is amazing medicine. Mm. And the second night, Zach really helped me a lot. Like he had to suck some stuff out of my temples mm. and it was it was way beyond when most people had gone to bed at that point and he was like sucking things out coughing it up throwing it up and I could feel it like a straw like coming through and it just like facilitated this amazing cathartic like crying sobbing mm. purge that I had and after he was kind of doing that he like collapsed on the floor <laughs> on the ground next to me and just was like he needed to stop taking shit from other people. Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, okay. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it was just like, it was kind of this, this amazing thing. And then the third night, my heart popped open like, like a warm grape just going mm. everywhere. Just amazing. I felt like a love generator all night long and and I think when you when you came to give me a ventiata you whispered something in my ear in Spanish and it wasn't it wasn't like a it wasn't like a sexy thing it was kind of like an I love you kind of thing and it like lit lit me up and you actually I don't know if you you understood you you didn't know that I spoke Spanish so I don't even know you you did I I don't know but anyway the next day you Apologized to me. Oh right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that I was felt you. Like stepped over the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just looked at you. Like I don't know why, but I feel the same. Um, and it, like after that, it was. 
It was like, on. It was <laughs> on. Well, there was just like this really beautiful, like vibrating tension between us after mm-hmm. that. And it wasn't like it was a, I mean, what, what do I call poquito sucio? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was Is pure, it, pure love, but also, you know. Poquito sucio, which means a little dirty. <laughs> yeah, a little dirty. <laughs> of amor, puro, amor puro y poco sucio. <laughs> <laughs> And it just like, it just opened a skate for us. Like we never, I don't think we even really, it wasn't flirtation really. It was just like being together and feeling the power of the energy that was between us. And Mm. we really, um, we were careful because I had to go back to Georgia after the retreat. And I was preparing to move to Seattle, which was just six hours away from where you were living. Mm. And in that time, it was three weeks that I was at home and then another week that I was on the road. Like, we didn't see each other. We only talked. Um, we didn't see each other physically, but we, we yeah. did yeah. Um, energetically yeah. see each other, yeah. which kind of, I think, is what really sealed the deal. Sealed the deal, yeah. When is it that you knew and that you just, like, was like, okay, this relationship I'm in is gone? Like, that's, oh, that's I think ending. That, that, you mean the, the one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, immediately. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, even if Jess and I hadn't worked out, the fact that this came up was an indication that, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, so that's not really. That's, yeah. Jess, did you have any like thoughts go through your mind about what it meant to maybe get involved with Zach as a shaman? Was that like, was there anything like that or was it just jump in? I had a couple of freak out moments that maybe he does this all the time, you know, mm. maybe, uh, you know, I'm just somebody that's going to pass through his life and it, right. it wouldn't be like a serious thing. But um, those fears were put to rest when we had experiences together in the medicine from 3000 miles away. Mm. Um, that was really put out of my mind at that point. Mm. Yeah, we were literally 3000 miles apart. I'd be having ceremony and she'd be having experiences. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's the, that's the real big thing that comes up a lot. When I heard your story for the first time is it seems like, yes, there is this like, okay, human connection and like the poquito sucio. Is that how you say it? There, yes, there is that, but there is like almost this bigger kind of cosmic purpose. Of, and the fact that you had this vision on the third ceremony of like you both working together, even though she was absolutely not a shaman, nor yeah. did she want to be a shaman at that point. Yeah. And it was, like I said, it super ineffable yeah 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 yeah. yeah. what's going on (laughs) yeah yeah but it seems like i mean i don't know from my own personal experience when i sit in ceremony with you both both and i just see you up like holding the space it's like wow that's the masculine and the feminine you know like there's this really it's almost like two halves coming together to form a really good whole and it does seem like it goes well beyond the pure, like, okay, physical attraction or the kind of, as you said, the ayahuasca romance that might come up. Like, that's a thing that happens in Vipassana as well. Like, it's, you can, you don't speak to anyone, but then you spot this person and you just, 
you get obsessed. You yeah. have like a whole uh, like experience with them during your vipassana, and then you end up talking to them, and you're like, "Oh, that, that that's not true. That's not who they are." Mm-hmm. Like you can project a lot. So maybe yeah. we should go into that now. Which is this is one of the things you talk about during retreat is that there's pretty strict prohibitions around sex and oh, around relationships before and after. <laughs> and even stronger on dieta. So dieta being when we diet a particular plant, not only is there no sex, but there's no touching at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're on dieta, you do not touch anybody. And then after dieta, you can it can be another two, three, four weeks. So you can go a month long without having sex if you're in a relationship or not. And so I wonder if one of you would talk a little bit about why that's so and what the risks are like, why that's, yeah, why that is so. So ayahuasca is a very sexy, sexy medicine. (laughs) Um, And as humans and particularly in our uh, pretty much across the board, all the societies, we've got issues with sex. There are very few cultures that don't. Mm. They exist, but in general, they're, 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 it, because it's such a powerful energy, sex. And we are, during retreat, during ceremony, we are working with a lot of energies. And that's a gigantic, uh, if you look at the, the chakra system, the both in in the yogic systems and also the Taoist systems, they talk about that utilizing that energy and transmuting that energy. You know, uh, because it's so gigantic mm. in a way beyond just just sex. Because uh, if we don't, it can really control us, run us, and make it. You know, just that whole idea of like teenager teenage boys having two brains and one brain runs them. Is it just teenage boys? Right. (laughs) I can only speak from personal experience, direct experience. And so, and yes, women can have a a similar, um, similar thing happen. And, And if we open that Pandora's box during a retreat, it's going to be amplified because ayahuasca amplifies it. And so we can do some things that, we regret later mm. from a sexual standpoint and from a relationship standpoint. Da, 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 da. And in addition to that, we it's kind of bringing that energy to the surface. A lot of us don't realize how strong it is and how much it can take over, particularly if you have an amplifier like ayahuasca in terms of just constantly thinking about sex. Mm. And so I speak from experience. I, I had made a mistake with oak diet doing an oak dieta without realizing I was doing an oak dieta we were new working with oak and one of the things that I don't want to get into the details it's it's, it's a long story but I had made a mistake Mm. and then had sex with Jess (laughs) Um, but my intention was not was was I'm not dieting this tree but then I had sex with Jess and and suddenly I was like constant it was like obsessed with sex or just con as like it and that might sound good to some people but it was just like mm. too much it was yeah. out of control and then i went and drank ayahuasca and asked what, what's going on and it's like you you actually started this process with 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 uh, dieting the oak and this, so 
the way to fix it was to go diet oh, properly. And so, mm. so I did. Um, but the lesson was all of these thoughts about sex were just, it was overwhelming. Yeah. And, you know, people, particularly in the West, particularly dudes, I think would be like, oh, well, I can handle that. Mm. I could do, you know, no big deal. I don't, yeah. I don't give a fuck, you know. Do yeah. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Mm. I mean, it was, it was out of control. Luckily, like I said, figured out how to fix it. <laughs> so these are some things that can happen if we cross cross the energies. Um, and, and speaking of crossing energies, when you when we have sex, that is the most powerful energy exchange we can have as human beings. I mean, we're literally either being penetrated or penetrating or Going back and forth. <laughs> if you're um, having a really fun time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when that happens, you know, you're receiving the energy of the other person. Mm -hmm. And so if that other person isn't energetically clean, then you're taking and you're coming and you're super open. Like they didn't go through. Well, everyone's starting from a different energetic place anyway, in terms of cleanliness mm -hmm. and so forth. And so um, if say I go on retreat with ayahuasca and then come out and immediately have sex with some random person, I am super open and I'm going to be picking up that energy like right. I wouldn't normally before. And so we need a little, little time because that opening, uh, it's like having uh, spiritual or energetic surgery. The sutures are still mm. needing to be healed and tightened up and so forth. So we need to allow that. To happen, and, and the medicine's continuing to work for a period of time afterwards. Particularly, both with just doing ayahuasca ceremonies, and also when, particularly when you're doing dieta. And that's why mm -hmm. everything's extended on dieta in terms of restrictions. Is because the medicine continues to work for a much longer time yeah. when you're when you're doing uh, or post dieta. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to maintain uh, energetic uh, that healing, and we don't want to rip. The, the, the energetic suture, so to speak. Mm. Then there's also a development of letting that energy build, mm. which is a yogic or Taoist idea. It's the whole point as to why uh, men aren't supposed to ejaculate um, in those systems because they're okay. building that energy, letting it cultivate and rise up the chakra system of the, mm. the spine. And speaking of speaking of sex being the most powerful energetic exchange that you can have with somebody, like that energy can literally be with you from being with one person forever mm -hmm. for the rest of your life. I had a friend that I worked with a lot that I, when I lived in Seattle. She was a massage therapist, and she was also really intensely psychic. Like I've never met anybody as tuned in as she was, and she would tell me stories about having to remove energetic penises from people all the time mm -hmm. just embedded in there and you have to like pull it pull it out and I've actually experienced some of that and um dieta tends to clear clear us out of those clear kinds of things or whatever else you have around in your I didn't tell you on the first day I saw you, I was like, this, this, this woman, she needs some energy. Like, oh, we've got penis problems. It's a good, it's a good thing we're doing a diet. Oh, well, thank you for doing it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, my first dieta, it messes a lot of times. Initially for women, it'll mess with your cycle. Mm. 
And that's because it's doing a lot of cleaning out of that energy center. So for the first couple of dietas I did, my my cycle would come like 10 days early or 10 days late and be really kind of heavy and hard to deal with. But that was that was just dietas cleaning out those energy centers. And I get women who ask me that question all the time. Like, you know, we'll be on dieta and like, oh, my, my period's here. It's not supposed to be here for like two weeks. Mm. It's cool. Mm. Trees are doing a favor. Yeah. This is good news. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, first off, I've had experiences like this and, and with combo as well, actually, yeah. like it, there's a, there's a lot of cleaning that happens and I notice my cycle is not quite the same. And I also noticed that it's, I'm doing a lot of healing work because my periods are a lot less painful and, and awful. Like I, it used to be that, I mean, it, sometimes it still is, but day one, I can't do anything. I'm, I'm out like sometimes throwing up. Uh, so like, and, and this it's really easing up and I can tell there's a lot of work being done here. And I remember the first time someone actually shared this idea with me. He, it was a guy that I had a relationship with very casual. And, and he sent me uh, an article on like a, you know, like esoteric journal or something. And it said, you know, you have to be careful when you choose your sexual partners because there's a lot of energy exchange. And I was like, that fucker, what is he telling me? You know, like it just felt like it was an attack, but it was so like, that was the, the first time I encountered this idea. And I think there is such a casual, there can be such a casual approach to sex and connecting sexually with people, sometimes with strangers, sometimes with people you don't even remember the name of. And yeah, those energies can really stay with you and you don't know what you're connecting with. And that's really scary to think about. And I think a lot of us don't understand that. I know I didn't. So I also just want to emphasize what you've already said, um, both of you a bit around I, there's the ethos. Uh, I I can totally see why sex is at a distance from every everything you do because the ethos of everything I've experienced with La Familia Ayahuasca has been around personal work, mm-hmm. um, and it would seem to me to really go like sex is an interpersonal thing, right? And and this is really about like all the ceremonies I've been with 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 you both on. It's really about doing your inner work, and the focus is like unflinchingly been on that and so it makes a lot of sense from that standpoint and i also think it's really interesting like for example with dieta this is our second dieta it's going to be the second time we've gone through basically a month period without having sex and i was just thinking about the other day it's like you know how often does that happen in a relationship where you intentionally choose mm. not to have sex for that long and it's okay or you know like we're I, I could see in certain relationships where that would be a real problem because some like so much of the relationship is is based around mm-hmm. sex. And again, it really brings you to focus on your stuff and and like not go to Julie Roxanne for my sexual needs or things like that. Which and is it, interesting as I haven't really thought about it. you just brought it up that I mean I'm almost fifty years old and I think that as it relates to, as time goes on, it's natural that older people don't have sex as much as they did Mm. in their thirties and so forth. And I don't even, I think ayahuasca and the dietas and so forth has really 
kind of smooth that transition mm. into well and plus we have a plus having kids and so forth and so we don't get all freaked out when yeah we're tired when both you know <laughs> but having a kid and getting older and all that sort of thing there isn't that I mean, after um, after Dieta for a while, oh, there's yeah, that, there's yeah, that, yeah. that there's, 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 there's <laughs> the juiciness, but there's not like a, a an anxiety yeah. about it, a yeah. dependency on it, either. right? Yeah, right. It's yeah. not it's not anxious or yeah, uh, grasping, grasping, mm. or neither. Our, our worth isn't wrapped up in yeah. it. It's right. like my, you know, it's like interesting you brought it up because we haven't even thought about it and it's literally coming up as we're having those conversations like hey wait a second as we're getting older and we have a kid and you know we i remember when i was working in finance listening to the guys complaining either complaining about yeah generally complaining about not having enough sex yeah like that was a problem I'm thinking of that one movie. I can't remember if it's like 30 days or thir- something like uh, that. 49, 40 40 nights. days or yeah, something like, like that. I, and this is a mainstream culture thing, but they, it's a it's a movie about a guy who makes a bet not to have any kind of sex, uh, including masturbation, for 40 days and 40 right. nights. And it's a huge deal, right? Like, And I feel like that's often kind of how that's portrayed. It's like, oh, you're not going to have sex and you're not going to masturbate. Like... Like what a big deal mm. for and and that's like par for the course yeah. uh, it, when you're doing shamanic work. Yeah, yeah. And what's really interesting is the sex that we do have is fucking amazing. <laughs> I was going to say something like that too, actually, yeah. because I found that it kind of like concentrates the. It's like if we were to have sex more, it would be more spread out and less like like less quality, more quantity. And I feel like it's actually just more quality, just less often. And it's it's wonderful. It's like, isn't that better? You know, it's like what it doesn't. So it doesn't matter the the amount of time. It's like it, when you do connect, how is it? And and and, and it's, it's not just sexual. It's with with the work with plant medicines when when it's the appropriate time to have sex because we're working with plants so much. Yeah. Um, it, we're more open. We're much more, particularly on the dude side. Mm-hmm. Women are just tend to, tend to be more open anyway, but. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's much, it's different. It's changed. It's no longer it, the sex that I have. We have. I have. Is not even comparable mm. to what uh, was going on in my thirties or twenties or what and what have you. Can I can I just say to you that they're working with the plants and with the dietas and with ayahuasca and then this relationship also has like opened me up energetically and physically in ways that I could not have ever wrapped my mind around before mm. starting on stuff. So that has been interesting yeah. and fascinating and yeah, messy. <laughs> 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 well, well, maybe for for people okay, listening, like listen my, my, <laughs> my experience with like uh, this trying to trying to describe what this higher quality of sex has been for me is it's like 
you know, it's the difference between sex where you're kind of just like getting your rocks off, but it's really not getting you anywhere. Or it kind of spins. It's and, dissatisfying. For yeah. Or like you need it again in a day or two mm-hmm. or whatever. It's the difference between that and sex. And it can it doesn't have to be, it could be any kind of sexual experience where you're like, oh, like spiritually nourished in a way where it's like, that was great. And like, I don't even, you don't really think about the next time it's going to happen because that just filled your cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been my experience of like some of the quality difference between, between the two. Mm-hmm. And that second kind can happen a lot, lot less frequently and it can be a hundred times better yeah. um, than, than the first kind. Mm-hmm. Probably a thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and just to make a comment about what you just said, like oh, our parents are going to listen to this or whatever. I think like I'm I'm I don't know about you guys, but I'm so done with sex being a taboo thing. It's like, dude, we're all born because of sex, you know. Like it's like as it's as primal a need as sleeping and eating, and we talk about these things all the time, and yet somehow we can't talk about. Sex. I don't know. It's just a thought that's been in my mind for years now. It's just, let's let's have cool conversations about it. Yeah. I think actually I think. Maybe all of our peers would be happy to know that we have very beautiful and satisfying intermarital sex. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah, I know, I know. I had this conversation with my mom recently and it was awkward, obviously, but she was very happy to know that I was I was happy, you know, in that realm. And it's great when your parents can feel that way about your journey. So yeah. I just wanna come back to uh, what you were sharing about like the work with plants and how it's opened you up. And that was maybe you were talking more in the sexual realm and that's definitely a big part of relationships, but I'd like to ask, and I know this is a very, very open question and we can go wherever, but it's like, what's the potential for couples doing ayahuasca together? Like working with ayahuasca, working with dietas, what is the potential? Cause you've seen it in your own relationship. We're seeing it too. But I'd like to hear maybe your experience as you've been leading retreats and stuff. Huge and is what I would say. Huge and? Yeah. And this goes for personal work and also as much as um, couples work, I suppose, or partner work. Ayahuasca, plant medicines, et cetera, will do a fair amount. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. No mm. question. And I actually I can't think of a more fast, powerful modality, but it won't do everything. <laughs> That particularly those deep, deep, dark shadow stuff that we're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. That's when stuff like therapy, good therapy, I mean, yeah. that, that, it's so hard to find. And we keep, if you're new to us, we work with Dr. John Sheely at bemindful.org. He has changed our lives and he has only come into our life in the last two, two years. years. And, you know, I've personally been working with uh, ayahuasca for the last, oh, uh, 11 and Jess for the last five, six now. So we're not of the opinion that ayahuasca and plant medicines will, is the answer to everything by Mm -hmm. any means. So that's the end. Um, The other, other thing that, uh, that we've found recently also very helpful for me personally, I've I've done a little bit more work on it as the gene keys. Mm by Richard Rudd. It's a book and he's got some several programs in it, one of which is The Golden Path, which includes three programs and one of which is about relationships. The uh, Venus sequence. The Venus sequence, but wow. Mm. Uh, it, it, it really helps one look at shadow 
Mm. Um, yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just expand on that a little bit. And is that the every shadow is kind of an energy that's brought by the different gene keys, and there are 64, like the I Ching, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's an energy that comes with each gene key, and it is through the work with the shadow that you reach the other vibrations of that shadow being the gift mm. and then the city. So it's it's opening and raising vibration through work with the shadows. And speaking of that, in terms of relationships and opening and ayahuasca, when ayahuasca brings two people together or deepens somebody's relationship, you, you become in a way, um, not in a way, you become tantric consorts. Mm. You are mirrors for each other to deepen your spiritual understanding. You are there to open through each other and seeing each other and it's a crucible. Mm. So this can be really hot and beautiful and ecstatic and it can really dig some shit up. So hang on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you can handle it, it's amazing. And one of the things I think that's been so important for our relationship, because it has those really, really hot, ecstatic, beautiful things to it. And also has some of the deep, dark stuff that we were brought together to work through. Mm-hmm. And I keep going back when, whenever it's difficult, I go back to ayahuasca bringing us together. Everything medicine's done for us together. And I, I know this is the way forward. Mm. So it encourages the, the forward momentum into the darkness, into the unknown, into the shadow, propels us there, and, and we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I do want to do a side note that when she mentions Tantra, she's talking about classical oh, Tantra, yes. mm-hmm. not this neo tantra that ha- that's focused on pleasure yeah yeah this is classical, a different classical tantra, tantra is the, the the tibetan buddhist or kashmir shaivism which was had very almost nothing to do with with sex mm. um so this is this is more uh, much broader all-encompassing it's a system view. of spiritual opening yeah. basically yeah. um being laid bare to the fire of all that is mm. but yeah. doing it as consorts together yeah. and propelling being spiritual propellant for one another. Mm. Going back to this huge and comment about uh, what ayahuasca has the potential to help us with in relationship um, with a partner. Can you talk a little bit about some of the huge parts or like some of the places where it's really been a helper mm. for in, in your relationship? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of like we, we always talk about post a series of ayahuasca ceremonies, you're primed to start a new, you're open to a new practice. Things are easier to start like meditation, what have you. And the same thing goes with being open and, and communicative mm. and all these things with people mm. and, and most importantly, your partner. And at the same time, there's some skill on when to bring that stuff up. You know, you don't want to do it right after ceremony, you know. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there's a, yeah, I would would say that um, just the way of being 
allows for communication, openness, understanding, compassion on both sides. If, if two people are doing it mm -hmm. at the same time um, that one wouldn't normally have. Um, and as one goes into, if there's, you know, if there's an issue and one's going into ceremony, ayahuasca can bring some perspective shifts around whatever that issue might be. Um, mm. And ayahuasca loves family, loves relationships. And so we can always, we have a lot of faith that she's going to be on our, has her back from a relationship standpoint. There's something that, that you said about this idea that whenever something comes up in the relationship, that's because this is what, this is why we're together is to work through this. And I think this is another very radical way of looking at relationships is probably is one of the most spiritually growing opportunities of our lives mm -hmm. to, and, and I, I truly believe that we choose our parents, we choose our partners, we choose everything because there are things we need to work through in this lifetime. And so just that mind shift changes so much, just already having this understanding that when something comes up, it's actually a blessing that you are given the opportunity to work on something that you were asked to work on we weren't brought together by ayahuasca but our relationship very much feels like fate brought us together we just or met destiny yeah yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Destiny. <laughs> I, I go with destiny i don't know what the difference between the two is like One kind of destiny's a little happier okay, got it. Got it. no so it, it feels like that too and it does feel like whenever things come up they're here for our growth like individual and i think that's something else that ayahuasca seems to be doing for, for us as we're very early on this path. But I noticed that whenever it, it's almost showing me whenever I want to believe that this particular problem that is in our relationship is Alistair's fault. You know, it's like, it's very easy to just be, I have nothing to do with it. This is all him, all his fault. And then, and then as I do my own cleaning work, I recognize how much those things change without him doing much and, and, and that it's really up about me doing my work and me doing my own cleaning and then him doing the same on his end and then meeting back and kind of sinking that. But it, it really is, I don't know, I think we can get so caught up in this idea that it's the other person that has to change. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the error that we all make. Yeah. We all make it. Yes. Um, and what you're saying is so what you're pointing out, and I'll say it in a different kind of different way is that when we do our own work, we're cleaning our own shit out and we interact with something that would trigger us normally. Mm -hmm. If we've cleaned out that trigger, It comes in, it's, not, it's like, oh, I'm not, that's not going to bother me anymore. I've done the work around that. And then because I'm not triggered, I don't react in a, in a way that triggers. Because that, speaking energetically, every interaction that we have is an energetic cycle. Mm. I say something to you that does, you give a response and I respond to it. It's this constant cycle. So, so um, I can, you know, When someone says something to me that might be triggering, I can choose to uh, continue that energetic circuit or I can just go, oh, no, I'm not going not gonna to let that. And that's what the personal work – that's why doing personal work has an effect on your external experience with other people. And, yeah, that's 
that's why ayahuasca can be very, very helpful in all relationships, um, ranging from you know personal partners all the way into business. Um, yeah. We, we pull away the bullshit, pull away the masks, and bring forth a really authentic self that people respond to in a very different way. And through that, we, we are responding to everything in a very different way. There's another aspect of, and I think this goes more to this idea of like the spirituality of committing to another person's growth mm-hmm. as well as, as well as your own. And in some way, I think they're so intertwined that it's like committing to your growth. It's hard to separate that from committing to my own growth mm-hmm. at this point. I think, I don't know, there, there's something there as far as what might be a soulmate, right? Is when that match is really good and you can be catalyst for each other. I find it also really scary in some ways at times it's or at least it's really challenging because when you make a commitment like that or when you hold the same same values and the other person grows it often kind of challenges you to respond right like if they're on another level they move kind of energetically or whatever it kind of says you can't stay at this level mm. you need to also come up and and usually the reason that feels scary is because usually there's fears around leveling up mm. that I have to kind of go through and so I found our relationship over the last three years to be the most insane catalyst um, because it's just this kind of ratcheting that's happening all mm. the time not always comfortable not always, not always comfortable um <laughs> And I feel like ayahuasca is almost like an accelerant for for that process. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe maybe you can comment on on that, Jess, if what your experience has been in that realm. Yeah, you know, we love to listen to our spiritual teachers and audio um, as we're going to bed a lot of times at night. And I find myself really into Eckhart Tolle mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And I remember him saying at one point, like, when you are in relationship and one person's vibration is really, really high mm. and the other person, like, start, like, and this is what happens in ceremony, too. Like, when when somebody starts to vibrate, it lifts everyone up, but it, you have to release things to get lifted up as well. Mm. So the other person is either going to have to match the vibration or they won't be able to tolerate the presence of the other person anymore. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, you do end up creating that crucible for each other. And I think it's beautiful that that happens collectively in ceremony, too. Mm. Like somebody releases something and starts to vibrate at a higher, mm. they pop and it causes like so many other people in the circle to pop horn and like let go of things. And and then you can just feel the the whole ceremony, like a spaceship just go. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I, I do want to um, put out a word of caution around ayahuasca and relationships and big decisions. Mm. So, you know, we, we talked about how immediately after a retreat or uh, a, a series of ceremonies, potato, potato, I guess, <laughs> um, you were particularly open and we can relate with people another way, better way, more open, more, more open and um, considerate and kind and all that sort of thing. So it's, it's a, it can be a great way to kind of work through some stuff with your partner and other 
people too. But uh, at the same time, we have a rule, not a rule, a guideline, a strong guideline that if there's anything major, like if you're looking to break up mm. with somebody or yeah, may, maybe if quit a, your job, but that's, quit a, your job. that's yeah, a different thing. Along that same line with, or, or maybe engage, yeah. ask one and engage, you know, ask one to be married is wait two weeks, right? Mm. Those big gigantic things let it let it settle before before you uh that said if if there's something that you've been working on in, in your partnership and then there's some new perspective and one is able to approach it in a um, kinder more compassionate more understanding way absolutely yes that's, that's a great time to mm-hmm. to bring it up go ahead all right i was just i was going to change the subject slightly sure and just comment on maybe some of our experience early on Mm. working in ceremony and how it's affected our relationship. And there's two things that like kind of come up based around this conversation is one, it's definitely helped us see some patterns that weren't very clear before Mm. or see them. And like you said, that perspective shift, see them in a different way. And I think ultimately help in my case, realize my responsibility in that pattern. Mm. Uh, And that's been very helpful and also just to see the way things are connected, to realize that this is a pattern at all and that there is there is that energetical connection you're talking about, that circuit. Uh, that's been really helpful because a lot of times, and we we're just talking with Michael about this, it's just that awareness. And w- once you have that awareness, things start to, mm-hmm. that song says, if we, by, by ma- magic, it's not, but it's, it's really powerful. And then I, I wanted to just share a short experience from our last series of two ceremonies that I found interesting and then you can comment on it if you, if you like was the first night <laughs> go ahead <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm gonna say my words but they're not your words white card Ju- Julie Roxanne was she she was I don't know if it was more anxious I don't know how you would describe it but you were in a more like you were making more effort in mm-hmm. your in your posture and you're a little bit more fidgety and this was the first time the two of us had been sitting next to each other in mm-hmm. ceremony which they're they're obviously had an impact Mm. um and then and so i was very attuned to her and she was kind of moving a lot you were doing kind of like a lot of coughing you were trying to get out of purge that wasn't coming at at least we you discovered later that's you're you're sharing your experience sorry sorry sorry. so anyway this was my experience of what was happening and 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 i found your energy like sometimes it was distracting for me and it was hard and I, I was getting stuck in judgment yeah. of your experience. And it, I was having a harder time going inward. And that was the work for me to do that night. And then the second ceremony, it was such a sh- shift because you showed up. You, ha- you had a really inspiring presence mm-hmm. in that second ceremony and, and like kind of posture. And that time... I don't, I don't want to say it allowed me to, but it felt really supporting in some of the work I had to do. And I felt like um, I was enabled to go deeper with my own work. And I ended up having a really, really strong purge mm. near the end of the night. And what that required for me was me going deeper into myself. And I, I don't want to say you made that happen and that you didn't make that happen or anything like that. But I could definitely notice that the quality of your presence influenced 
my work mm. right, or supported it. And uh, it was interesting to notice that connection in, in ceremony. I think it just get it, it can get really trippy whenever like sitting next to you for those two ceremonies. It, I felt very I felt the presence of our relationship, like the energetical ball that is our relationship in between the two of us. And it was like, oh, my God, it's here. It, it's it. We have been usually sitting pretty far apart, like on opposite sides of the room. And so that plays a big role. It's like a few steps away. But when you're on ceremony, it feels like the other continent. And yeah, it's. It gets really trippy how much everything's connected, like how much my stuff is a little bit of his stuff and then his stuff. And that like you can't really untangle the knots so much. You just have to like show up, hope, like let the work be done and do whatever is is asked that night. But it, it, it really gets trippy to try to wrap my mind around how everything is influencing everything. I think the general, yeah, and the general takeaway from the whole thing was just, wow, our work is really connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a lot of experience with people showing up as couples on retreat? Is that common? Do you hear that a lot? Well, not so much here as much as see. Yeah. 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 Um, they, it takes a little bit of time, I think, for most people. Some people are quicker on the uptake than others to... Uh, you as the couples to recognize that's what's going on mm. um we oftentimes see it i mean it goes back to you guys are around each other all the time you're having sex with the other again yes. that's the energy exchange is really significant yeah and we see it and sometimes it's pretty unfortunate <laughs> um and we also see the transformation too so we, we get to see the the hard parts in the, in the transformation and all that sort of thing. And I think this point out that this goes back to something I think I said in previous podcasts is we will see this stuff and maybe hint at it or sometimes say something, but generally hold back and mm. just energetically go, okay, let's give this some space and time. We've got, we got the retreat to go to, to finish out and, and have some intentionality around like, hey, we hope this works out, you know, mm. and and we do more often than not see it work out through that that person's own realization. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and sometimes we like uh, this last time I came up and I said something, uh, gave you a suggestion. Was, hey, check this out. Yeah, there was some confusion, and then it was super helpful. And then it ultimately it was, it was. But, but you know that's somewhat unusual um, and. Thank you for working with it. Yeah, no, it was it was great. I really appreciated it. And I don't know if I think it, it really helped my whole dieta and, and everything. It was, yeah, majorly important. I just want to something that keeps coming up is I'd like to reemphasize something you said earlier, which is. Yeah, ayahuasca is not just this magical potion that you drink and then everything's solved, right? right? It's like, it's just, it's almost just bringing things up to the surface so that you can see it, name it, and then kind of later look at it in a different headspace. It does some, it feels like it does some of the cleaning work and the opening Mm. work. I have to say, I feel like that work is like pointing me more and more to what I sense is unconditional love. And and that's really what I want to foster in this relationship and everywhere. Just like unconditional love. You're great. Do, do your work. It's your work. But yeah, there's, um, you have to have some tools outside of the ceremony space and the medicine space to keep working with it. The, 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 an example that keeps that, that came up for me was, 
I think it was the first ceremony we ever did uh, in March. And at the end of the night, I went back, I went to sit with Alistair and I remember like, I started feeling that there was a purge that was going to come and I sat next to him and it was obvious in the medicine space, just how much he was like holding my stuff, like that I was, that I had these emotions and these things coming up and that he was trying to take them on. Mm -hmm. And, and we talked about it afterwards when we went down, took a shower and and laid in bed, I was like, did you feel that? It's so obvious just how much you're trying to take on my emotions so that I don't have to carry them. And I notice how much I don't want to share my emotions with you because you're trying to take them away from me. And it's like, those are mine. Those are mine to work with. And just noticing that and talking about it the next day, it almost was completely gone in ceremony or, you know, it was like drastically, you know, less. And it just, this is, I think, and even for personal work, this is what ayahuasca seems to do. It's just it amplifies, shows you, mm-hmm. cleans some of it and tells you, okay, you have to do the rest. And it's like a, because those patterns are things that it's like roads you've taken so much, you have to make also a commitment afterwards to, okay, I've removed the pattern, but it can come back as like super easily if you don't do the work following. Yeah, I would say that the energy that was powering the pattern has been mm. released. The pattern's still there and it's up to us to create new, for lack of use of Western neural pathway. Yeah. New pattern. Yeah. It's like, it's like muscle memory. Mm. You, have, you have to retrain yourself, but being aware of the pattern in the first place is, I mean, you're sort of brought up to another perspective where you can look down and see it as an observer instead of being all wrapped up in it and thinking that it is you. Hmm. or as part of you um, instead of identifying with the pattern now you can see it and circumnavigate it somehow yeah so that's that's the work that ayahuasca does is being able to give you a broader perspective and taking you out of identifying with the patterns mm. if you allow it can i change subjects a little bit sure coming up, as it relates to relationships um and spirituality um spiritual paths there's a there's a thing going on in the new age movement that wherein we have all this these these practices and views and so forth coming from the east and some esoteric information that is absolutely amazing awesome and a fair amount of misunderstanding by the those who choose to engage in those paths so well, i think one of the biggest misunderstandings has to do with you have particularly in the east that's where we've done I've done most of my studies is that you have two distinct paths and that is the householder Mm. and then the ascetic Mm. and you know for example Theravada Buddhism really elevates the monks right and the monk is going off and doing their their aesthetic work and they rely on the lay people but the there is an idea there that, that, I mean, there's a hope that the lay people can get to enlightenment. But if one were to ask a Theravadan, the chances are higher for the monk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that's a very ascetic path. Mm-hmm. The Yoga Sutra, uh, Sutras of Panjali. Pantali, Pantali, Panjali. Panjali. That is an aesthetic path. Hmm. That is designed. If you really study it and understand it, 
if you want to do that path, then you should go off in the mountains and, 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 and be alone. Yeah. And it's a largely masculine path as well. Patanjali. Patanjali, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of, you know, in the new age, they don't fully understand that. And so there's a lot of conflict as it relates to relationships. Yeah. Right? Mm. Um, whereas the tantric path, and I'm talking classical tantra, the householder path, it's very well defined, mm. or they are very well defined in the in the East, and they're like, no, no, we want everything is happening. Any moment is an opportunity for awakening, mm. and that is in our relationships with with our partners and with the world at large, mm. right? Business, everything is an opportunity to be like, boom, wake up, right? Mm. And that can be an issue if you don't understand. Like, if you're on the ascetic path, but yet living a householder life, you're going to feel guilty a lot. <laughs> a lot of problems, yeah. a lot of conflict. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And I, I wanted to bring that up in this because we are talking about relationship. Mm -hmm. And so we need to... That's something to highlight um, because there's been a lot of misunderstanding around that. In fact, we, our recent relationship here in San, San Marcos, it was an identification. There's a, there's a conflict. Mm. A friend of ours, or now ex-friend, I would say, um, <laughs> now acquaintance, <laughs> wherein so much rigidity uh, about mm. how things need to be in the spiritual life that was based on this this ascetic path and then but ignoring the importance of relationship both from a partner standpoint but also in general um is that am i making sense honey i think so i think correct me if i'm wrong because i'm not 100 sure on this i think mahayana buddhism is on that more ascetic side yeah in, no no, no. Mahayana is, is on the other side other side okay. well that's where the tantra you find the tantric uh Mahayana and Vajrayana. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Uh, so whereas the Theravada is uh, really... The, the Theravada is much more fundamental as to what Buddha said and taught based on the Pali mm. canon. And again, there... I want to be clear, there is a hope for everyone to <laughs> gain enlightenment. Um, and if the, what is my sense of the view is that those who choose to be to go on the monastic path have a higher chance mm. of becoming enlightened, which then can lead to the householders kind of putting it off and going, well, the, the chances are right. so low for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I, really, I really love that because I, I totally see that and I can identify that at different times in my life. I feel like... I feel less so now, but, and I'm sure we'll come back. I mean, but I can identify those times where I thought the way was the ascetic and the, but I had a normal householder life needing to earn money, had a relationship, was trying to build a life too, to, you know? And, and I think that's such a good point. And I think it's, it's like different situations, different approaches. You can't like have the, aesthetic rigidity if you have a child you know like and and that doesn't like you can still find 
enlightenment and and uh in unconditional love and and all these things in your relationship with your families that's actually a different path and yes. it's as i think it's as potent mm-hmm. if i don't know i'm not going to say if not more but it's just a different style of doing the work and i, w- I would say shamanism is definitely a, a householder path mm. you know? um, unless you're a banco <laughs> well, even, even if you're a banco yeah, yeah. And I, this is not to proselytize shamanism um, by any means, but I, the point being is um, there, as it relates to relationships and spirituality, currently in the new age spiritual realm, and even those who are seriously in a more traditional path, say Theravada or uh, what have you, they're oftentimes, not always, I'm just pointing this out, there's oftentimes a lack of understanding of like, oh, this is an aesthetic path, aesthetic path mm-hmm. and I'm a householder. And, mm-hmm. and even in the, let's say, Theravada Buddhism, there is definitely a householder path within it, but one needs to understand what that is. Yeah. So like Vipassana, Goenka's Vipassana is right. He's a householder. And yeah, right, a, right. And, and actually Goenka, they were not too into the monastic yeah. thing either, mm-hmm. right? But then you go talk to the Thai forest, you know, go to Thailand and it's a different view, yeah. right? And so, yeah, important I, distinctions, I think. I found this householder and monastic very useful in, in different areas. It's a really helpful way to look at life. And it, it seems to be like a little foreign. It's like something that doesn't seem to get imported very well to the West. Nice. Like we don't realize that that, that division. And, and we just like to try to take what we like and not the rest yeah. and then like kind of mold something new. And I, th- I think you're right, especially when with the aesthetic path, if you start going down that direction, it has a very definite aim. Yeah. And, and if you kind of, it can get you kind of conflicted and confused if you're going to take parts of that, but then try to map it onto a non-aesthetic life. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there is a corollary and that is the Catholic priest, Catholic priest and nuns mm-hmm. with the aesthetic. Mm. monastic clearly yeah um and then yeah they were always put above the lay people within the church and i'm no expert in catholicism but that's the sense i get and then you have the protestants who are like that's more of a householder yeah although still having a a huge amount of guilt involved but that's 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 another (laughs) that's another story that's another you know misunderstanding well i think all these different paths also point to different states that you can reach in almost different kinds of enlightenment because mm. there is that path of individual enlightenment which mm. is kind of like shunyata right the void mm-hmm. or reaching that particular state but then when you can enlighten through interpersonal relationships or you can enlighten through the human experience itself it becomes that tantric mm. enlightenment that that opening to all that is in this human experience and, and really feeling it and being with it hundred percent instead of having sort of a more trans transcendental experience, yeah. which is more of the individual path of enlightenment. But you know, the, in, in Tantra, the classical Tantra that, that we talk about, the original cities, the originators of that path were all householders. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Almost all mm-hmm. householders. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I resonate with that a lot more than the individual path. I mean, obviously I've made that choice already. It's, it's, it's happening, but I just, I feel like there is so much more power and, and potency for your community. It's much more of a life of service in some ways. It feels like that because it's like, 
you're serving and you're in contact with people and every interaction and every moment is an opportunity for enlightenment, raising your vibration, which is what you were saying about this thing of like you, something happened and then you respond and then one person can be like, oh, I'm not going to respond actually. This, this, we can just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And actually when you were talking about this, I realized how triggering that can be for the other person. You know, when we were talking about this, not someone grows, yeah, someone <laughs> grows and then, and then you're like, oh God, I'm going to have to grow as well. The, I'm just here holding space for what you're saying, but I'm not going to respond and whatever comes up is, is for me to work through. I'm not going to put it on you. That can be very triggering for the other person. Sometimes people want you to respond because yeah. that's the pattern we're used to. Well, they want an opportunity to be one up on you. Yes. If you're just like, I'm not going to play that game, they they freak out. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only game I know. (laughs) You're not playing. What are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like fertile ground for an existential crisis. (laughs) And at the same, uh, yes, obviously we agree because we're householders and I don't want to discount the path, the ascetic paths because, or the monastic paths because they are doing something in yeah. a very gigantic way, just not as obvious as you know, interacting in the world. And I always talk, they're, they're holding space. Yeah. That's what happens to a lot of enlightened beings. If they just like, I'm out of here, I'm going to go sit in the mountain and I'm going to hold the space for the rest of humanity that is yeah. going through all this shit. I really, it triggers me when people, less so now, but when people talk, you hear on podcasts, oh, you go to a, being a monk, you're not doing anything for society. Oh, yeah, you just go live in a cave. Go live in a cave. Like it's a bad thing. It's like, no. Well, first of all, when I go live in, or when someone goes lives in the cave, what do you think their carbon footprint shrinks? To? <laughs> yeah. If that's not helping, I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, when I was saying it, it, it came up that it, it is a life of service in a different way. Yeah. I have a very distinct like picture in my mind that comes up when we talk about monks because we were in the Himalayas and I remember there was this guy obviously living in a cave in the mountain, like at a place where nothing grows. And I think there's like women bringing him food yeah. every day. And, uh, and I just remember this, like, just peak, like seeing the golden robe that he was wearing, you know, like the Buddhist and just like seeing that and being like, there's a sense that those people are really doing something profoundly important. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot less obvious and a lot harder to probably. And I mean, harder in different ways because I would think they just have different challenges. Right. Yeah. And, And I do get the sense that that monastic approach maybe potentially might be the fat, the fast way, mm. I, in, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, we'll it, I, it could depend. One day we'll have a monk and an enlightened householder. We'll have two, <laughs> the two and we'll just have a debate. No, I think it it will be very depends boring. on your makeup and yeah. what one you're more prepared for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There is one thing I would like to bring up, which is that Alistair and I have had experiences, especially on Combo, and I've also seen it, seen it in ayahuasca for other people. But there is sometimes shared purges, and that is really freaky to witness or to be a part of. But I'd like you to to talk about that because I think that might be a very foreign concept to most of us. Hmm. Well, it's one of the reasons that we sit couples apart from each other in the initial ceremonies oh. so that we can deal 
hopefully, you know, mostly with your own stuff, but even, even that distance and ceremony, like you're still, there's so many energetic connections you are going to share mm. some purges. Yeah. And, and you know, to be clear, part of our jobs as facilitators is to keep energy from jumping from one person into another. Mm -hmm. However, what does happen is the energy from one person will pop out. And as we're clearing it, it will kind of hover around and not jump into, but rather re start resonating, vibrating above or around someone else such that it will, if that person has a similar energy inside, it'll start resonating and coming to the surface to be released. Mm -hmm. So it is, there's, there can be some fear around that from people like, oh, I don't want other people's energy. It's like, well, if you have a similar energy that resonates that's in the room, it's going to come to the surface. It's going to get cleaned out. So it's actually a gift. Yeah. Um, all right. And so that's, that's at the highest level. And then because couples are constantly put, uh, pushing energy back and forth with each other through sex and just being around each other all the time, um, that's going to automatically be the case. Yeah. Right. It's like, let's say it's Al Alistair's, purging on one side of the room there's so much resonance with what's going on with you on the other side of the room the the purge is gonna it, you're gonna get it in, in, uh, sometimes in, in, in sta uh, stereo i also feel like really established relationships too have an energy and an intelligence of their own mm. in a lot of ways and that entity itself can be purging and being cleaned out mm. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's some of what I've I've witnessed that in our most recent ceremony, like an, an a relationship purge. Like it was not like, oh, this person and this person had similar purges and then it came out. It was like there was something in the the relationship entity that was purged. And I think that's I have to say that one of my highest values is connection. Uh, and so I love relationships and I love like understanding the dynamics of relationships. And that's one of the things I love the most, I think, on ayahuasca in the ceremony space is observing and seeing the entities of the relationships and like the ties that link people. Like whenever, for instance, uh, you just... You There's a time that I remember where you sang with Krista, who is one of your apprentices. And I was like, ah, oh, there's so much like ties and it's hard to describe, but it was beautiful. And I had a similar thing when we sat recently and your beautiful dog, Millie, was present. And it was just like, wow, she has these ties with you guys. It was so obvious, like they have such a profound relationship. They've been around so much that there's energy that's been like going back and forth for so long. And I could almost see the, the threads being like connecting you to the dog. It was amazing. So yeah, relationships have their own entity. I think this is, this might be a really out there idea for most people, but it's, it's important for me to mention. I think this is why I was struggling to describe my experience at ceremony a little earlier, because I was saying things like you were doing this and I, and, and, To some degree, that wasn't exactly what... It's much more confusing than that. Like, I have to let go of the understanding of it because it just like... I don't honestly know when that stuff happens. What's, my, what's mine? What's yours? What's ours? Or whatever. It's, mm. just, it's just very clear that things are interconnected there. And there's a channel that's there. And there's different things happening. Um, but but the, bound, the boundaries break down. Yeah. Right. 
I think you can think of your relationship as really having its own energetic body, like having its own central channel, having its own energetic centers that you, all your centers are connected to mm. and to share. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You were, we paused for a minute and you were saying something that I'd like you to share about like how we can be guided by the medicine. You said it. Yeah. Fun. So I, in my first retreat, I realized this and I found it very, very interesting that there are forces, spirits, entities that actually like have agendas for you mm. and maybe even for your relationship. And it's, it's an interesting thing because maybe you agree with them and maybe you don't. <laughs> and, you know, maybe it's for the highest and greatest good of all, or maybe that entity just sees you as a tool. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I do think that ayahuasca brings people together, can bring couples together. And I think that there are spirits out there that are looking to incarnate through these connections that are vibrating really high. I think there are, there are beings out there very high beings that are looking to incarnate into the human form right now and this is just my thought and my opinion you mm -hmm. know it's somewhat a direct experience because i met bodhi so long before he was born and i knew that he was trying to incarnate and i wasn't ready so we had to have like a conversation mm -hmm. about no <laughs> no not right now yeah you know but the, yeah there are entities there are spirits that have intentions for you intentions for your relationships and it's just really interesting that ayahuasca can bring those things together and then you start to interact with them and it, it can be very mind-bending to be like these are my boundaries and this is what i agree to and this is what i don't agree to because just because it's a disembodied spirit and it sounds wise doesn't mean you have to do what it says yeah. or listen to what it says. Yeah, you still have free will. Yeah, it, it, to some extent. <clears throat> but I, yeah, I, I had a similar experience. I, there was one particular ceremony, I can't remember when, but it was obvious during that ceremony that someone that I now, like a spirit that I've gotten to know and that I've mentioned on this podcast before, our, our, our future son was the one that completely orchestrated us moving to the to Guatemala. Not just working with ayahuasca, but like deciding to move to Guatemala and then what everything that happened here with you with ayahuasca. This it was obvious to me. It was like really direct experience. Like, yeah, I'm the one that's been kind of pulling all these strings for that to for that to happen sooner. And yeah, so I really like that you brought that up. Mm. I, one might even take it a step further that there's someone pulling those all of those things oh. you know so it's blow your mind it's like it's almost it's an intelligence that feels impossible to conceive with yeah. our me tiny tiny brains right. you know right. it's uh yeah i actually had a, an experience like that on one of the most recent ceremonies where i was very i was in touch with beings that had uh, an intelligence that i could not comprehend ever but they were showing me things that I could comprehend, like bite-sized things. And it was a little, uh, wow, it was, it was hard to be with, but also it was obvious that it was true. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's ineffable. <laughs> yes. yeah. It's a fun thing to grapple with, particularly as a Westerner, because that happened to me on my second ceremony ever in a really profound way that this other entity 
had a plan for me yeah. <laughs> and was was influencing my direction or there was some sort of dialogue going on there and uh, it gives you a lot of food for thought about what reality is and what's happening to even entertain that perspective and ayahuasca definitely allows you to entertain that it, it really pushes the boundaries of, of for me what I thought was real and and it's definitely moved those boundaries mm -hmm. quite a bit from from working with ayahuasca uh more i'd like to ask one last question to wrap this up unless you both have one last thing okay great i'll go ahead i think just to close around the spiritual growth that happens when you're in a relationship and especially when you are working with plants like ayahuasca, but not just, I feel like it, ayahuasca is, it, it makes it go really fast that, that growth, but that can happen to everyone where you do a lot of spiritual growth and then the other person's not quite there yet. And it's, it's a, it's a constant like working together to find that balance and it never quite reaches balance And I'm just wondering what are some of your, in your relationship, things that you do or that you would recommend for people who are looking to grow together? Because that is such a difficult thing to do sometimes. Dr. Down. Yeah. Therapy. Mm, therapy. Yeah, therapy. Good therapy. Uh -huh. I think, again, we got very lucky with our therapist, Dr. John. Dr. John Sheely. BeMindful.org. Um, we'll yeah, put him in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I started working with him and he brought up the idea. He's like, look, this is a great crucible, you know, therapist to, or, or in his case, coach for licensing reasons, uh, coach to, to clients, so to speak. And when we bring in the partner, that crucible just gets exponentially more powerful. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely that. Mm -hmm. We haven't done this regularly for a while, but there is a program also called Enlightening Through Relationship mm -hmm. that Reginald Ray has had some trouble recently, but yeah. still good stuff. Yeah. This is a really good program. And there's a dyad meditation or a partner meditation that is very powerful and beautiful. And I think we did it pretty much every day for a year or two. And since Bodhi, it's been a little bit more difficult to do it. But we, we recently started sitting a little bit again together. And um, it's a really beautiful and powerful practice to mm. do. Gene uh, Keys. Gene um, Keys. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that, like I said, going through that Golden Path program. Uh, Jess hasn't had as much time because of Bodhi. Um, but that's also another one to do with a partner. Um, again, doing looking at that shadow work is absolutely huge. Yeah. I kind of want to throw in that we've been working with the MBTI in typology, and that's been really helpful. That's been kind of our tool. Yeah. Throwing yeah. tools into the, yeah. into the mix. And the MBTI in a, in a deeper way. So it's very infused with like Jungian concepts of consciousness, but using it as a tool for exploring consciousness and exploring the different ways we prefer to to experience the world or communicate and the, our structures of values can teach us a lot about how we interrelate and give us a lot of empathy and understanding um, for others who look at the world in a very different way. Yeah. And it's also a great tool with all the shadowy stuff. I feel like it's been really helpful for that too. It's a, it's a less esoteric, a little more 
I feel like a little bit more of a structured way into starting to dialogue with your shadow or your different shadow elements. And I found that to be a really good entry point Mm -hmm. into it um, as well. Yeah. For someone who might be looking for a, you know, huge shadow work, but doesn't really know how to approach that. Mm -hmm. um, It can be helpful there too. Yeah. Well, I just want to say for the record, put it on tape that I'm very grateful that we found you both. And I'm very grateful for the, example that you set as a relationship and I also I have to say I absolutely love that two ayahuasca shamans who I don't know I feel like you could totally say all right doing ayahuasca I'm enlightened whatever and just I mean for most people it's like whoa they're also going to therapy and they're also using that tool That's great because I feel like it's such a taboo thing to go see a couple's therapist. Like most people are like, uh-huh, that's mm. must be a sign that something's very wrong. And it's actually such a, it's just, it's a tool. Mm. Use it, mm. you know, and, and it's great. So thank you for the example that you set. Thank you for everything. My pleasure. And thank you for being here today. And before we end, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. Mm. This is, it's a, We're in a transition right now. <laughs> so we are uh, literally going to move back to the United States next week. And so we're transitioning into this new project that you all are part of, mm-hmm. uh, which is based around Combo. And this is uh, HealYourTribe.com. And you know, reach us there through info at HealYourTribe.com. And this is a combination of, you know, we're doing combo sessions, uh, but we're also training those who want to either do self-application for combo for self-healing um, and those who want to take it further and become combo practitioners. We, we feel like this is a very good time, uh, appropriate time for combo to really um, come forth in the United States. And so that is going to be our focus in the near term. We still, you know, on the ayahuasca front, uh, ayahuascafamily.com. However, our retreats in Guatemala are on hold for what should be obvious reasons. Guatemala is still locked down. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge getting out of Guatemala next week. So until things stabilize in Guatemala and, and uh, other places like Costa Rica and so forth, we have our retreats on hold from an ayahuasca standpoint with Ayahuasca Family. But check out our website, ayahuascafamily.com. We also have a bunch of uh, podcasts mm-hmm. on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Uh, just search Ayahuasca Family, and we have quite a few episodes there. And then info at ayahuascafamily.com is is the email there. But um, yeah, we're in transition, and it's it's interesting trying to figure out that transition. I want to vouch for everything you two do. Everything. So, say everything, but in particular, because uh, you, you mentioned the combo, we just... So first off, combo uh, as a medicine is amazing. Check um, out episode 86 if you want to learn about combo. Yes. But the other thing is your training. Uh, we've gone through level one and level two of your combo practitioner program. It's amazing. Mm. It's hard to put into words. It was a phenomenal experience. We had the um, extreme honor of having Jess train us in our home. Yes. And um, really, really powerful. Um, so if that's amazing. something you're interested in, I couldn't vouch for it more. It is absolutely worth it. 
find any way you can to go sit with the ayahuasca family and do do combo with them. It's a it's just great. Just go do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening. Well, that was wonderful. That was awesome. I just, every chance, <laughs> every chance we get to have Jess, Zach, Jess, and Zach on the podcast is is really a pleasure. It's a lot of fun. You can count on us to try to come up with a bunch of new ideas <laughs> to have them on. It's uh, it has to happen more. Well, as you know, all the resources mentioned will be in the show notes at thefaropodcast.com. Yes. And there's three ways you can support this podcast. The first is financially. We have a Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash the far out couple. And you can support us as low as $3 a month. And we have all sorts of extra goodies, including videos, bonus conversations, uh, ebooks, you know, lightning round interviews. Great. Becoming quite the repository. It is. So if you're not getting enough with the podcast, go and ahead. it is a great place to support us if you're enjoying our work and you want to just pitch in. Even if you don't care about the content, you can just pitch in. This is a great way to support us. If you want to give a little energy our way to yes. keep this going, yes, that's a great way to do it. We'd love that. Two other ways you can do it is you can share this podcast with a friend or on social media. That kind of grassroots marketing goes a really long way for us. That's the way we grow. That's the real way we grow. And that's also the way we find other cool people like you, listeners. Like you. Like you. And that's Because I'm we're sure all you know plenty of cool people. Yeah. Just so introduce us to them. Bring them in. Let's, let's make this a tribe. We love to meet them. <laughs> the final way you can support this podcast is by feeding the iTunes machine. And that is by leaving a review. It helps with the algorithm. It, so if you want to either just leave to rate the podcast mm-hmm. or leave a review and we will share it on the future episode of the podcast. Because we love doing that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank we you appreciate for it. Sharing your time, your attention, your energy. We'll see you next week. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.